Good morning. Welcome to New Life Church. Please stand as we worship this morning.
We're so happy that you're here. As we continue in worship this morning, hear these words. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. He is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is named Emmanuel, God with us. In this tiny baby, this vulnerable child, we find our light, our joy, our comfort. Joy to the world. The Lord has come.
Morning, everyone. My name is Janet, and I'm your host today. Now, I want the people, the little ones who are in three to five years old, or the bigger ones who are in grades one to five, to come and take a seat along the front so that we can pray for you and bless you as you continue with your worship downstairs. So come on down. And if you're going to be working with those children, please come and join them as well. pray for all these people. It's hard to pray for that side and that side. It's like sort of watching a tennis match. <laughs> but um, if I'm looking at the other way, it's not that I'm not praying for you. I'm praying for you all. And so are all these people. So let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can be here today. We're getting really excited about the knowing that you came as a baby, and we'll be celebrating that soon. And I just pray that you will be with these children as they go downstairs with their leaders, as they learn more about you and your coming into this world, and as they practice things for the Christmas season. We pray a special blessing on them. And may they be very aware that you came into the world for each one of them too. We ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, so Kids Church are going to go out that way, and Little Lights are going out that way. Well, we're so happy that you're with us today, and especially if you're a guest. We really want to make guests feel welcome, because you are welcome here. And we'd ask that you'd fill in a Connect card, which you'll find in the seat or pew pocket in front of you, so that we can get to know you better, make connections with you, and you'll also get information about things that happen in the church. And... If you're online this morning, we really encourage you to comment and interact with others online and know that you too are very, very welcome to be part of this service. So now for the announcements. This one sounds like I should be ringing a bell or something. Come one, come all to our Christmas service this year. We're so excited to be able to celebrate Christmas with you. You're invited to the Christmas Eve service on Sunday, and Christmas Eve is a Sunday, so it'll be Sunday morning service at 10, just like normal, for a storytelling service with New Life Kids. So it'll be a special service, but at our normal Sunday time. 
and we will explore what it means that the light has come and with that we'll have a candle lighting. Now this service is on a Sunday so it will take place in the morning. There will not be a Christmas Eve evening service this year. But you can come back on Monday, Christmas Day at 10 a.m. So just remember 10 a.m. To celebrate with us Jesus' birth, we have a big choir and we'll spend the morning singing and celebrating together. Both of these services are a wonderful time to invite a neighbor, a friend, or family. We hope to see you there. Now, to invite people, you can have one of these cards. Now, these are really nice cards, but you can't see them. And I don't think that's on... Oh, no, it's not up there. Not quite the same. But this is for you to give to your neighbors, and they're only available at one place. And that is at the info booth afterwards. So if you want to see what this looks like on both sides, you can sort of see the front, but that's the back. Go to the info booth, pick one up, and find a neighbor that you can give it to, or a friend or somebody. At Christmas, we like to give, and we're inviting you to serve our community this Christmas with gifts for our mission partners and missionaries. We've put together a give guide that's available on our website to make it easy for you to know what to give this year. So visit newlifecrc.ca forward slash events for the complete guide. A hard copy has also been put in your church mailbox and it's at the mission board in the foyer. It, it's got a whole variety of different ways that you can give to our partners, including bringing baking goods to Youth Unlimited, taking socks and shoes to Joshua House, or giving a $30 donation to buy a soccer uniform for kids in Columbia, giving to Hope for Cora. There's all kinds of things. Sending a kid to camp in the summer. Lots of things. But We've also got something else. We're selling coffee today, this week and next week. Now, this is our ordinary coffee, which comes at $15 a bag, $25 for two and $120 for 10 But we have something special for you. Today, if you buy two pounds of coffee... Not only do you get two pounds of Colombian coffee, which helps support our missionaries, but you get a beautiful gift bag. You get a gift, a gift tag. You get a New Life Mission prayer card so that the gift can really keep on giving. And you get a bonus candy cane. <laughs> okay? So that's all for $25. Now, if all you want is a coffee, you'll still get the gift, and then you can enjoy the candy cane and use the bag for somebody else. So it, it's a deal. So we want to see you outside in the foyer buying our beautiful bags. And there's a good selection of bags if you're there early. You can choose. And you can have ground or roast or medium or dark. So lots of choices. Today we're continuing talking about missionaries by taking an offering for Hope for Cora. And I think most of you got um, their newsletter in 
your mailbox. So if you haven't picked it up, pick it up. It's very interesting. Hope for Cora exists to loosen the yoke of extreme poverty in Cora, Ethiopia, and to bring hope to the people there. Hope for Cora has continued to grow with many different programs, and you can read about those in the newsletter. Through, and one of those programs is sponsorship program for families. And they sent out a short video to share with you as an example of what sponsorship would look like. So let's have a look. When she was six, her mother has passed away. Yeah. When she was six, she was given to somebody and watched over the sheep. She became shepherd. When she became 14 years old, she went back to her father's house. But the father doesn't want to raise her, so that he wants to give her for someone to marry. When she was 14 years old. But she didn't like the guy. It was hard for her to live as a married person with 14 years old. So she escaped out from that house. After some years, she married another person by herself. Her own choosing. Yeah, on her own choosing. Without her father. She gave birth to these two girls. My husband was a very good person. I gave birth to the first girl. After having the second girl, he doesn't want to support us. He didn't bring anything to our home. When she told her brother, he advised her to go to Addis Ababa and bake so that he can have money to feed her girls. So she borrowed 300 from her brother and came to Addis Ababa. So she came strictly here yeah. to find a life of begging because she'd heard that that's where she could make money enough to survive. Yes. It's not easy to beg on the street. People think that it's very easy to be on the street and to fake, but it's very difficult. A guy sent you to my wife now. They have shoes, they get clothes from there, and really thankful about that. The most difficult thing for me and my family was to get a food for us. Being hungry is a very difficult thing. Seeing my daughters being hungry was a very difficult thing for me.
Guy, and this is Liz. <laughs> I was wondering to know who are the people that are supporting me. I was wondering to see who are they. I'm very happy about that. I was praying to God and he just listened to my prayer and he brought you to my life. I do believe that because we've been praying way before we met you or knew your name or before you had heard of Hope for Cora, we were praying for you. And we know that we were asking God to bring just who he wanted into our program this year. And you and your girls is who he brought. And we're just so grateful and thankful for that. So good to meet you. We're going to take a video of ourselves. See, let's see. We'll take this and then we'll look at it. Okay, so let's take a look and see now what it did. And very happy. And that in this world, I feel like that I gave. But I found nothing about mom and dad. I didn't get the love for my mom and for my dad. So I didn't know such love. I was so hurted with my life and God knows that who is hungry, who is hurted more, so that he finds out a way for those people. God makes a way. So today the offering is for Hope for Cora. And you can give in all the normal ways that we have here, electronically, they're listed behind me. Or you can bring your money and put it in the boxes at the front during the fellowship time. Please make sure you include your full name and gift designation in the memo list of an e-transfer or on an envelope if you're using an envelope. Because if you don't, the money will automatically go towards the budget, which is fine if you want it to, but if you want it to go to Hope for Cora, it needs to be indicated. Okay, so let's pray for the offering. Dear Lord, we thank you for the work that we've seen shown in Hope for Cora. We know that you have a heart for the struggling, for the orphaned, for the widows, for those who are downcast. And we thank you that you are there with us when we go through hard times. But when we see these pictures, we realize that these people are struggling so much. And yet they have joy in their faces because of the love that is being shown to them. And we pray that as we bring our offerings today, they will also be used to bring your love in whatever way you choose to this world. We pray continue to pray for the work of this church in all the different things it does. We ask this in your name. Amen. Now, this is the second Sunday of the month, and we're about to have a breakaway. All the um, grades 6 to 9 students are going to break away from us when the, during the fellowship time, and they're going to meet Jacob up at the top over there, that's the east, right, top east, and um, they have their own time together in room 303, and they'll come back to the auditorium by the end of the service, 
So if you're in grades six to nine, you can go and meet Jacob there now. We're about to take our three-minute fellowship time, so you can go get yourself a cup of coffee or whatever you want to do, but we'd like you to try to meet somebody new, maybe greet them. Uh, you can ask them how many bags of coffee you're going to buy. Oh, no. Uh, sorry, that wasn't the question. Uh, <laughs> but you could ask that. The question is, ask your neighbor, what brings you the most joy during the Christmas season? That sounds a bit better. Okay. <laughs> the time starts now.
Good morning. So we had our first snow this season yesterday here in Abbotsford. How many of you had wished the snow would continue to this morning and the church is cancelled? <laughs> you know, I've just been back with my wife after a long trip in Japan and Singapore and got back a week ago. And I had really serious jet lag, and uh, this comes with age, um, especially coming back home. Uh, it usually takes me about 10, 12 days to get over. So today is only the eighth day, so if I speak nonsense, I am not responsible. <laughs> so before service, I was walking on a f- around the foyer, going to the men's room, and I met a dear brother who, seeing that I was all wired up, he said to me, you are preaching? Again? (laughs) So for those of you who have been thinking, hey, you've been seeing this guy too often, let me assure you that your agony will be done after today, <laughs> as this will be my last of four sermons that I'm preaching while Pastor Nathan is on sabbatical. So it's very likely you're not going to see me for a very long time to come. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even rehearse this one. <laughs> Would you join me in prayer? Dear Lord God, we come before your throne of grace, seeking your face and favor. We come with fear and trembling because we know we are not worthy because of our sin. But yet, Lord, through your Son, Jesus Christ, whom we have claimed to be the Lord, Savior, and Messiah of our life, you made us worthy. And therefore, we could come and receive the cleansing blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and be renewed again, coming before you, calling you Abba, Father. Thank you for this morning's time of worship, of prayer, of singing, and the sharing of your commonality in the love of Jesus. And now, as we turn to your word, we ask, that you speak to each one of our hearts, open the heart, the door of our heart, Lord, not just our eyes, but the door of our heart, that we may hear you and receive your word. And now may the grace, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts, be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. Seven verses from Isaiah chapter 9. Let me read them from verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and in the land of Naphtali. And in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles. 
by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of shadow of death. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice. When dividing the plunder, as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. And now come the promise. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and a government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The theme for this month's sermon series is on Christmas lights, focusing on Jesus as the light of this world, based on various passages from the book of Isaiah. The key verse this morning is taken from verse 2a of Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And therefore, I entitled my sermon this morning, A Great Light in the World of Darkness. Light is often seen in contrast with darkness. And here we are referring to physical darkness. We all don't like darkness, except perhaps when we are asleep. Darkness often brings about fear, anxiousness, uncertainty, and even confusion. This is why we prefer having light shining through our surrounding environments, surrounding darkness, so that we can see what's around us. Being able to see through darkness certainly quell our fear, calm our anxiousness, overcome our anxiety, and clarify our confusion. However, physical darkness, though, can be frightening. It's not our biggest threat in life, especially in our Christian journey. Our biggest threat is spiritual darkness or spiritual blindness. Spiritual darkness can blind our ability to differentiate right from wrong, not able to discern truths from lies, and cause us even to recede ground in our Christian faith by giving in to the compromises and the pressures of this sinful and wicked world. It is no wonder that the church of today is struggling to find her relevance to our world of the 21st century. 
either the church has kept silent for too long on numerous issues that affected our lives and our lifestyle, or we have been too late in responding to the rapidly changing environment that caused the moral decay and deteriorations of what we used to call societal norms. Of which several now have direct contradiction to the teachings of the Bible. In the last 60 years or so, our church in general has failed to reach out to at least three generations of people, losing more than we have won them over to our Lord Jesus Christ. The millennials born between 1981 to 1986, 96, I beg your pardon, Generation Z from 1996 to 2012, and Generation Alpha from 2013 right through 2015. This is why we here in New Life, we want to step our effort in raising the current generation of young kids that they may find the Bible relevant to their lives and become followers of Jesus Christ. Beloved brothers and sisters, we certainly need more volunteers in our church here to help in Sunday school and our youth department. Lest we lose them. Today we have been told to say things that are politically correct, even though some of them contravene what the Bible says. I like to be politically correct myself. But to me, it is far more important to be politically correct than being politically correct. If Christians have lost their moral courage and voice to say what are politically correct for fear of being accused of being politically incorrect, then I'm afraid we have lost the very purpose of why the, the church existed in the first place. If Christians choose not to stand on the promises and teachings of the Bible, then we myself take down the cross of every church and turn them into social clubs. Perhaps many churches, especially those in North America, have already done so to their compromise, through their compromise to the pressure of this world. Avoiding issues of sin and repentance, proclaiming only the love of God without highlighting the God's righteousness and God's judgment and wrath. The prophet Isaiah lived in a time when the people of God were also living in spiritual darkness. Instead of relying upon God to guide them with his pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night, they chose to trust in their own human wisdom and achieve their own human glory. 
But God did not abandon his people. From time and time again, the God of Israel delivered the people out of their darkness. The people of Israel have done nothing to deserve this. It was purely through the grace of God. Nothing else. Here in this text, Isaiah then prophesies that the God of the Bible will once again deliver them, not just Israel, but the entire humanity through the promised Messiah, the birth of a child who will reign over God's people with justice and righteousness that no mere descendant of David could ever achieve. So let's look at these short verses of seven verses in three divisions. Verse 1 to 3, light in periods of darkness. Verses 4 to 5, living in images of darkness. And then verse 6 and 7, life eternal through his given son. Life in period of darkness. Despair and distress in the land of darkness. The conquest of the Assyrians stretched from Zebulun and Naphtali, extended all the way from the Jezreel Valley to the, all the way northwards to the foot of Mount Hermon, a largely rich agricultural area, as well as an important route, a trade route from Mesopotamia all the way to Egypt. This explains why this was a much sought-after real estate for many generations. The people of God were living in despair. They were living in distress simply because they did not trust God. God was certainly far greater than the Assyrians. The prophet Isaiah then prophesied that in the future, God will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea along the Jordan. And you know what? Our Lord Jesus fulfilled this prophecy in Matthew chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Darkness leads to oppression and violence. What did Isaiah mean when he said the people were walking in darkness? And, and what kind of darkness was this? To help us understand, we have to look back at chapter 8 of Isaiah, where we are told that not only did the people of God reject God, they went also to consult mediums and spiritists, verse 19 of chapter 8. And then in verses 21 to 22, we read as well, they were distressed and hungry. They will roam through the land. When they were famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. And they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. It is therefore no surprise that such darkness led them into oppression and violence. But praise God, dawn has broken. Verse 2, B and 3. Isaiah emphasized that despite such 
utter darkness, God has prepared a great light to be seen by people walking in darkness, giving them a glimpse of what is to come. Indeed, dawn has been broken in a way of God delivering to his people a Messiah who will come in the form of a child. And Isaiah will elaborate this in verses 6 and 7. The people of God in Isaiah's time as well in, our generation, in, our, in the generations that follow right unto today, we do not deserve this gift of the Messiah child. It is so because there is no other way through which humanity can come even close to deserving this gift. It is purely to the grace of God and mercy. My dear friends, brothers and sisters, we don't deserve We don't deserve it. Let's go to the next division. Living in images of darkness, verses 4 and 5. The prophet Isaiah gave us some vivid images of the kind of suffering that the people of God had to go through all because they choose to do things their own way. If you look at the, the book of Judges, it's full of that statement. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They do things in their own way. Seeking for their own glory instead of choosing God's way and honoring God. The burden of yoke in verse 4. The boots in battle to be burned in verse 5a. The blood in every garment in 5b are but some of the gory pictures that Isaiah tried to remind his audience. Isaiah wanted the people to recall what happened in this same valley when Gideon defeated the Mennonites, the Midianites, I beg your pardon. I'm, I'm glad I'm preaching in a Christian Reformed church. <sighs> I did have a caveat right from the beginning of my sermon <laughs> that I'm not responsible. Isaiah reminded the people what happened in the same valley when Gideon defeated the Midianites as told to us in Judges 7. Gideon completely destroyed them. But you know what? Before he did that, God reduced his army of 32,000 soldiers to a mere 300 men. Why did God do that? God wanted the people, his people to know without a single doubt that it was him who had fought and won the battle for his people. So God who had helped Gideons will surely defeat now Israel's enemies right in the same valley. Third division, life eternal through his given son, verses 6 and 7. The child is born, verse 6a. This is the third time in Isaiah, mentioning the birth of a child. The first time was in Isaiah 7, 14, and the second time, chapter 8, verse 3. 
most Bible scholars agree that these three mentions of above refers to the expression of Emmanuel, which is God with us. The only way that God can be with us is through the delivery of a promised Messiah, a child to be born, raised and live as a man, yet without sin, so that he could take on the full punishment of the sin of humanity and thus reconciling us back to be with God. Counselor and mighty God, verse 6b. While there have been many arguments over who this child was, the various titles in which Isaiah prescribed to this child cannot be just a mere human being. The descriptions of a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, can only refer to the promised Messiah who will reign over God's people in justice and righteousness that no human king can ever achieve. He could not be just any human son of David, but one and begotten son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Complete reign forever, verse 7. The reign of our Messiah is one that has no end. And he will establish among whole God's justice and righteousness. His reign will be complete and be forever. Amen. So, just a short seven-verse passage from Isaiah. The first seven verses. What, does, what lessons does this passage teach us? Let's go to the first one. Grace of God. Throughout the whole Bible, we have seen time again how God chose to humble a nation of people with the final intention of honoring that nation or person. When necessary, God will bring down a person only because that's the only way He can raise him up. God could have easily destroyed a nation or a person for a restart. And he has done so many times before and will continue to do so in the future. But in the main, God chooses not to destroy us, but to rebuild us. Rebuild us, humbling us before giving us the final honor. Second lesson, greatness achieved not through conquest, but the birth of a meek child. The Israelites often cried out to God to deliver them, especially when they are under oppression and hardship. Their cry intensified when they were under captivity. God has not failed them and delivered them time and again, even though they did not deserve most of the time. And so when the Bible speaks about a deliverer in the name of a Messiah, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it is no wonder that the expectation of the people, they were looking for 
a military warrior type of conqueror. But the prophetic promise of a Messiah was not to overcome human oppression and hardship. For these hardships and oppressions are only temporary and for a season of time. The oppression and hostility that God wants to deliver humanity is the oppression of sin and punishment. Bringing them out of their spiritual darkness, spiritual blindness, into the eternal glory and light of God, into His grace, into His mercy. The only way to salvation is not for military conquests of overpowering a conqueror or a nation or an enemy, but to for conquest of every individual, every individual person, every soul. The birth of a Messiah in the form of human form is the only way to achieve the conquest of an individual soul. The third lesson, God with us. Emmanuel. The root issue that God must deal with humanity is the sinful and wicked nature of each human being. We may not all be demons and monsters, but our tendency to sin makes us demons and monsters in many ways. So how can God be with each one of us if we have the tendency to sin, to do evils, or simply living in our little sinful ways in our own rights. God is transcendent. He is morally perfect. He is also infinite. He is eternal. How can God, who is transcendent, morally perfect, infinite and eternal be in us and with us when we are all sinful human beings. The only way for that to happen is the transcendent to be one of the created, the morally perfect to experience what it is to have sin. The infinite becomes finite, the immortal to experience mortality. You see, if God becomes man, then Emmanuel, God with us, can then be a reality. God with us in the form of Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, came into this world as a child from a transcendent to become one of the created. God, who is morally perfect, has become a human being to experience what it is to have sinned, even though we know from the Bible that when Jesus was on earth, he did not sin. But he did experience what it's like to have sin. The infinite God has become a finite being. The immortal Jesus has experienced mortality when he was crucified on the cross. This is why the Bible proclaimed Jesus as the Emmanuel, 
God with us. Only the Son of God, who has become the Son of Man, can truly dwell in the heart of every individual. So the promised Messiah that God sent to us is not to conquer kingdoms and nations, for, for all these will one day disappear. No matter how great a kingdom in the past, how great a kingdom today, how great a nation it is today, or in the future, they will all come to pass. Rather, God has sent His Son, our Lord Jesus, to be the child king, to take over the government of our individual lives. Only when we allow Jesus to rule in our individual life can we truly experience Emmanuel, God with us. I want to conclude with a quote from Dr. John Oswald. He says, God who is with us is a God who wants to turn our darkness into light, our conflict into shalom, our loss into abundance, our despair into joy. That's what God wants to do. He wants to take crew and government and control of our individual lives, even as we submit ourselves to Him, so that truly we can experience this Emmanuel. Indeed, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ, is the great light shining through this world of darkness. Have you received this light? Have you embraced this light? Let the child king rule your life. And indeed, you can then experience Emmanuel, God with us. Let us pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you came. You are that great light that shines through the world of darkness. We're so glad that you came as the promised Messiah, that you do not come to overthrow governments or nations or kingdoms or power, but you are here. You want to come into our life and rule our lives. Lord, may we humbly submit ourselves to you and allow you, Messiah, to be Lord, Master, Savior, and Messiah of our lives. That truly in this Christmas and going forward, we can experience Emmanuel, God with us. For in Jesus' sake, Please stand.
I'd like to charge all of us with the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as a benediction as we leave here this morning. Uh, the words in Matthew 4, verses 4, 14. You are the light of this world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light the lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives lights to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. May we go in the power of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We who have seen the great light, may we be empowered to proclaim the great light in this world of darkness. Amen.